The Cal Halbert Podcast. Hi, everybody. Thank you for downloading and listening to this week's episode of the Cal Halbert Podcast. My guest this week is my very good friend, Carl Hutchinson. You best know Carl as a stand-up comic and a TV presenter, and he gave up some of his time to have a chinwag with me. And I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. The Cal Halbert Podcast. So, on the show today, I'm very pleased to say it. I've got the wonderful, the fantastic Mr. Carl Hutchinson, everybody. Hi, Carl. Hello, Carl. How are you doing? You all right? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How's uh, how's lockdown treating you? Oh, fucking hell. Right, okay. <laughs> Straight in with that. <laughs> that's, that's why I stopped doing, um, like, just do every interview, because it was always just like, you know, like, when the summer came and it was like, um, you know, we started doing, like, outdoor gigs and all that type of stuff, and it was like, Oh, do you want to like do an interview to promote the gig? I was like, yes, of course. That that sounds great. And like all the questions were just like, I'm sure you had it where every question was just like, yeah, isn't it shit being you right now? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, it's shit being me all the time. <laughs> Not just lockdown. But one positive though, I was trying to be really professional. I was I was making a coffee before I was going to come onto the call, and you said, I'm ready when you are, mate. I said, Brill, give me two minutes, and you said class i'm gonna go get a beer and then i thought yep. oh here we go are we gonna open it on air here we go on that note hold on there we go happy days well i was gonna be really professional i made a coffee so i got my coffee here but then when you said you were having a beer i felt really left out so i ran and got myself a beer instead so that's oh, what get, I... in, get in excellent so for the benefit of people who can't see carl is on the pint can of cronenberg i'm <laughs> on a um a bottle of what we've got today, um, acai. Got some nice acai. Fabulous acai. I do like acai. But I, do, I have already opened it. That, that's ah, just... well, don't believe you then. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to feel left out. If you've got patron uh, people who can actually see the video, Carl, you'll see that I've positioned two bottles outside <laughs> the window just to keep cool. Because <laughs> one's not going to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl, people best know you as a comedian and a presenter. Had you always wanted to be a comedian? Um, I don't know. I think I had. Like, I um, I did. Sorry, I just realised I didn't answer your other question of how was lockdown treating us. Um, I, I should answer that seriously, and then I, and then I'll 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 do that one as well. <laughs> I don't mean to mess with your format, mate. Sorry, um, no, no, mate. There's yeah. no format. There's no format. It's gone out the window. <laughs> it sounded it sounded really like professional, like we're talking before you went on, and then it was like you you turned to like, hey, and welcome to the show. I was like, fucking hell, right? Okay, I'll. I'll um I'll zip me hoodie up and be a bit more professional. Um, it was like on Father Ted when you know when the guy's steaming and like on the Eurovision and then he goes on stage he's like Father Dougal, look what it was like that. Um, but no, it's been good, mate. I've been um, I've been I've tidied me garage this week, so I've put a load of hooks up in the garage and some shelves, so I've got all the space now in my garage. So there's like I've got loads of space for weights there, and then I'm going on my bike rides and. And that that's it, because not being able to go to the gym, but I'm not I'm not kind of like in the house at the same time. It's like just another set of scenery. So um in that regard, I'm very lucky and fortunate that I've got that. So um that mm. that's kind of taken up my days. And then obviously we're doing the the felt now shows now as well, which yeah. I think is a great thing that um that Hal and um it's so weird having a Hal and a Cal. <laughs> Because um, anyone listening now, go back to the start and you'll hear like there was like a split second trepidation of 
I, di- I didn't know what I was going to say. So I kind of go like, hello, Cal, you all right? How are you doing? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so between those gigs and, and going out, that, that that's that's what I'm doing. So, yeah, um, but I did always want to be a comedian. I did. Um, I, it, it's really cliche because, like, most people who, most people I've met in comedy didn't want to do it. The fucking, like, a lot of people hate it. Like, a lot of people, like, fucking, oh, they're just, they're just all, all dicks on stage. You go, oh, really great. Oh, well, that's, that's lovely spending the weekend with you then. Um, but... No, I was like, I was proper cliche. Like, I was like a right little, um, like, attention-seeking, like, little prick at school. Like, I used to go around doing, like, um, impressions of all the teachers. Yeah. And um, before I knew it, I had, like, a bit of a crowd at break time. And they were like, oh, do, do Mr. Wibblin. Do, do, bloody um, Miss Downey and all that type of stuff. And um, Can, we, so, can yeah, we hear so... an impression of Mr. Mr. Wibblin, was it? Ah, they'll not get it. <laughs> no, it's, it's not my crowd. Plus, you're an impressionist, so I'd just be, nah. <laughs> nah. It, it's, it's since retired. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that, and then it was like, I uh, went to university to do the maths degree, and it was like, because I was at drama and all that when I was at school. So I was in all the school plays and all that. Yeah. Fucking line Witch in the Wardrobe and all that shite. Um, and then it was like, um, it was after a year of uni where I was just doing like academic stuff and there was nothing like there was no like creative outlet for like, I know I sound like a wanker saying that, but like <laughs> clearly what I was looking to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I emailed Newcastle university's drama department and they put us in touch with a guy called Murray James, who's a producer now who put us in touch with Chris Martin um, the comedian um, who put us in touch with Al Dawes at, at long live comedy. Yeah. So long, long live comedy, long story short, um, fucking hell went around the houses there. Yeah, um, got put in touch with um, Long Live Comedy at the second year of university, and yeah, haven't. Um, I was going to say haven't looked back ever since, but uh, March last year kind of threw a spanner in the works. <laughs> oh, I would be desperate to go do a Long Live Comedy, which for people that don't know don't know Long Live, I, I don't think it exists anymore because it, it was at the Dog and Parrot for years. Um, and I don't think it exists anymore, but it was the longest running open mic comedy night for years, wasn't it? I think so. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it barely existed when, when we were doing it as well. I think <laughs> the, the best the best incarnation of it was Aldo's, Callum Cram and Pete Thompson, um, which it was weird because that was the first comedy night I'd seen. And can, can you remember all three of them used to fucking host it on the same night? <laughs> yeah. So you... <laughs> Makes zero sense. <laughs> I used to watch going like, oh, so you have three different hosts. And then, and then it was like when you go to other comedy clubs, you go, oh, right, right. Okay, no, I understand now. That, that's oh, this not is, this is how it's done, is it? But you did, as you said, you went and did the maths degree. You became a maths teacher, didn't you? Yeah, I was a kick in the balls in March as well. Like It was like... Um, <laughs> So you can't do comedy. I was like, all right, no worries. The, like theatres are closed. And I was literally in the garage, like dusting off me PGCE. And like BBC News just went, and the schools are closed. I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> Even me backup's knackered. <laughs> I know. I know. It was just, all right, okay then. Better uh, better start going for these long walks, like eh? <laughs> well, it is difficult, isn't it? Because comedians are used to gigging every, well, every weekend, if not five, six times a week, we're used to mm-hmm. going out almost every night, gigging and gigging and gigging. And if we do have a couple of days off, 
in your head you go, oh, that sounds good. But ultimately, you're sat there thinking, oh, I, I should be somewhere. I should be somewhere. I don't know. Because even on my days off, like if I have a weekend off, I'm usually at a comedy club watching or mm-hmm. and, and like paying attention and you're constantly learning. You don't want to be that sort of guy that goes like, oh, well, I've got to keep working on my art. But but you have, really. You've got to keep on top of that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, And there's no wrong with going to a... Um like something like that on your, on your night off, absolutely, like I, but like to, to speak of the days off that you were having as well, it was like, you know, you, like you realise you you want the days off, but you want them to be on your terms. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you just want life to be so perfect all the time, don't you? Um, that, that's what you want it to be. Because, um, yeah, I, it got to the point where I was like, right, I need to put two days off just to like recharge the batteries and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And then... Um, with what's happened now, it's like, you know, you the, try to look at the positives of it is appreciate the, the time off and the downtime and know that it's going to come back. It's just a question of when. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, I mean, the lesson it's teaching is that like not everything's going to be on your terms all the time. So, you know, it's like a like one of them genie wishes, isn't it? It's like with <laughs> the poor thing with the three wishes, like you'll get the wish, but you'll not like how it turns out. It's like you've got the time <laughs> off, but fucking... 100,000 deaths. <laughs> <laughs> when was your first proper proper gig? Because you mentioned Long Live, but they were uh, unpaid open spot slots. So what was your first paid professional gig? Um, yeah, right. Um, our first paid professional gig. Oh, God, right. When we third one was the Beat the Frog um, Monday nights that we do. Now, Beat the Frog is like a, a gong competition. Yeah. Um, so... 10 acts, um, you get 30 seconds grace, I think. You have to last five minutes. Mm -hmm. If um, there's three cards that are distributed in the audience, if all three get uh, selected randomly, and if all three get put up, then it's time for you to go off. So my third one, I think I won that. So that meant that I could come back and do the Thursdays um, at the Frog and Bucket in Manchester. Um, So I think it was like... The first proper weekend would have been the Frog and Bucket because it was like I, I got fast tracked on the the progression thing. That was a funny thing, actually. I thought if you won, beat the Frog on a Monday, you got to do a weekend stream. <laughs> I, I must have emailed Lee Martin at the time, or um, or whoever was um, was doing. I think it was Clay Clay Molyneux, um, I think at the time, and I was like, "Yeah, I've won, beat the Frog on Monday. Can I do weekends now?" She was just like. Um, no, Carl, this is how it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember Steph Perry getting us out of university to go and do a, um, a gig in Preston with him for um, Agraman. Um, that's, is that how it goes? You can't, you can't remember now. Like yeah, all, yeah. all I remember is Steph, bless him, um, you'll remember this, in the car park of the Premier Inn in Preston, it was like it was like between every space there were pillars, and like I remember we both needed a massive piss. We we're both late for the gig, and I was watching Steph try and maneuver around this car park, and he was just having a fucking nightmare. Um, so I think it was that. I think it was fifty three degrees north in um, in Preston, which that done the rounds as well. That was like I think Daryl Justatonic had that for a bit, um, yeah. and then Agraman had it. So it was that. And then the next day we're in, was, we did somewhere else. We did some golf club in Manchester. Um, I remember Ruth Coburn was on. That, that's, that's all I remember from that, really. Um, but yeah, probably about a year in, you started getting like 100 quid yeah, for yeah. 20 minutes. 
And Steph Blessing paid for all the petrol, um, paid for the the hotel room as well. And um, I think he got one of the meals as well. So that was like a hundred quid profit as yeah. well. It was made. Yeah. Oh, that is good. Yeah. Because a lot of people think that, well, a hundred quid for 20 minutes, you go, God, that's well paid. But when you look at the, the great scheme of things, you've got to get all the way to Preston. You've got to pay for your hotel room. Ultimately, probably only you're doing, in, once you're taking the, into account all the time that you've put into getting to work and stuff you're probably only working for you're on less than minimum wage for certain oh yeah but it's it's like it's that cliche isn't it of like i'll the stuff like i'll do comedy for free but you're paying us to travel to x y and z and and go on a train for so long and all that type of stuff like i it's like when you i remember being in a taxi once and he was like so how much do you get paid and i was like oh it's it's this he was like not bad for 20 minutes work. Like, just go, oh, fucking shut up, man. <laughs> yeah, it's class when it's around the corner from your house. But... You don't want to break it down of, you know, do, do you know how long it takes me to write this fucking bit about a TV advert? Like, shut up, man. <laughs> Did you ever find that, like, your skills from being a maths teacher has been translated into your comedy? Or have there been any, like, bad habits of being a teacher that you've had to shake off? Like, tell in yeah, right? Uh, 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 be quiet, please. Be quiet. Yes, yes. I, w- I was a right prick when I started. Like, I, I probably am now, but for different reasons. But if there was, like, if there was a- any sort of sound whatsoever, I was just, like, fucking, hey, hey, like, just stop it. Like, pack it in. And, and I didn't... Thing is, it's like I didn't have any of the skill set to to follow it up. I just I was just like a brazen wanker. Like, <laughs> like Andy Fury's got a great story about um, we were doing. Remember um, the Funny Bones, Warren Speed, and uh, Durham Gala Theatre. I say remember. I'm pretty sure he's still fucking running that. Um, it it was that. I remember going upstairs. And like, because me and uh, me and Ramsey were doing the open spots, and I remember we both walked up and we saw the comedy store sign because you know it's on like floor two, floor four, and we yeah. were like, because what we knew from Steph Petty was that like we're doing the Gala Theatre, and we saw the comedy store, and we were like, hey, we're doing the comedy store already, <laughs> and it was like, uh, no, you are two more floors up, and it was like fucking dog shit, fucking funny boys, <laughs> big, <laughs> big, big wide room. And um, I remember I'm on stage and I'm have it, you know, it's never an easy gig in there because it's not a proper comedy room. It's like a, it's the bar. Um, and I remember I'm doing all right. Like I'm not dying on my ass, which is more than you can ask for when you're two years in. Mm. And I remember like somebody started like pricking about with the curtain to the left of us. And I just went so harsh. I just went, hey, stop playing with the curtains, you daft C-U-N-T. Like proper like at them. <laughs> and then they looked at me and they were like, we weren't, and he had to open the curtain to show that there was like an open window and it was just blowing the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> so even that was in 2009, and every time I see Andy Fury, he always goes, uh, stop playing with the curtain, you daft cock. See, I, I know that room because I remember doing it, um, and I was on with Dave Ward, who runs loads of gigs. Oh, yeah, I love Dave, yeah. Yeah, so I was gigging, and I was doing the open spot, and... Dave came up to me, Dave was closing, and he said, oh, and I had exactly the same, wasn't having a great one, wasn't having a bad one. I was still really new, like a year, maybe a year and a bit in, and I was doing it, and Dave went, yeah, it was really good that. I'll get you down for a, for a run of gigs down in London. I was like, whoa, I'm doing the smoke, lads. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm doing London, right? I went down and, oh, died on my ass, Died on my, because I just, I was just too big for me boots. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you know when you go, 
that you're not good enough for this yet. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but you, because I was so new into it, I was arrogantly thinking, yeah, well, I'm actually doing London before everybody else. So uh, who is that? Who um, is that heaven? Is that the heaven? Yes, yeah, heaven. Hey, you know what, mate? I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but that is a lovely room to do. I don't know how you bollocks that one up. Like, I really do. <laughs> oh, well, oh, yeah, it is a lovely room. I've done it since, and it is lovely. But yeah. I was like a year and a bit in, and I was, God, it was awful. Oh, man, I, everyone's everyone's had that. Like, I, that's like a... But that's one of... Is that one of them rooms where they go... It's like they pay you a certain amount, and then it's a percentage on the door yeah. after that. So it's like... It's, and then they pay you in check. Don't yeah, they, pay by check. <laughs> never see that anymore i'm pretty sure they still do that as well um but yeah no i, I think i had my london dine on your ass experience when i went down to um it was uh noel faulkner the the is it the comedy cafe uh comedy cafe in yeah, like, uh, cafe. yeah 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 I, me- I remember not doing well at all like and just going oh well then that's that's london for you type thing so i <laughs> see, i don't want to rub your nose in it carl but i had a belter there do you know <laughs> Yeah, I bet you couldn't wait to get that out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even just saying that. I did have a belter at the comedy calf, like, down in my arse in heaven, but comedy calf was lovely. You look so pleased with yourself, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 1-1. One, one. That's fine. <laughs> <score>. No worries. <laughs> so you know Chris Ramsey from, from growing up. You were mates growing up, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. We'd known each other since we were, like, 15. I think we were met in uh, Temple Park. Uh, leisure center um so shields was like two groups of friends and you know enough people from each group knew each other and we were like on the outskirts of each group and that was it really that was it until sixth form or um college again weren't like kicking about with each other but it was just you end up meeting on nights out and all that and then just went from there really yeah when i was doing the dog and parrot i um i, I think i said to chris would you would you come along or he said, I'll come along. And then it was like, after that, he was like, oh, um, I might see if I can do this. Because I didn't know that he had this whole, like, affinity for comedy and, like, a big Billy Connolly fan. And, yeah. you know, used to watch Lee Evans. And, and we both watched Carl Barron, you know, the Australian comedian. Yeah, yeah. We both watched him at his house once. So I didn't know that he wanted to go and do all that. And then, um, yeah, just it went from there because we were the only two new open spots um who were driving somewhere well there was john whale as well yeah um yeah. but oh no but john whale was in edinburgh um so we were the only two in in newcastle like who were brand new who wanted to just travel and i couldn't drive and and he wanted to like you know share the petrol money so it, it worked out absolutely perfect and then so so chris started after you go doing a bit of long live and stuff and then at what point did did you both move to manchester together Oh yeah, that was a thing as well. I eh? we both said we we're going to, and then Chris um, was going out with somebody at the time, and they had decided that like they wanted to to move down to Manchester. But so the deal was off between me and Chris. It was like him and um, his girlfriend at the time were going to go and move in together, and I was just. I remember he told us in um, South Shields Weatherspoons, I think it's called the Woodhave, and. Um, <laughs> Like, I look good at because I was going like, well, I don't know anyone else who wants to do this, who wants to move to Manchester. I'm not going to be able to afford to live by myself. And he's going like, you're right, Carl. Like, you look like we're in a relationship and I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. It's just like, so then I I, I was, I pitched it to him. I was like, right, what if all three of work moved in? And I was like, the salesman was like, you know, well, um, 
It takes the pressure off used to moving down from Newcastle to Manchester. So full of shit. <laughs> Just good. Like, you know, because then, you know, it bet all three and there's not, not pressure on. And uh, yeah, so he, he took, they took the deal. <laughs> they moved into the double room. I moved into the, um, the single room. And, um, and then, yeah, we lived there for a year. Um, and then they moved out, got their own place. And that's when Jane Edwards and her boyfriend, um, Ollie, moved in. Um, and they lived there for about three years. So, I, yeah, it was a good little run in Manchester. The reason why I ask is when I was starting out, so I'm from Shrewsbury originally, live in Newcastle now, but in Shrewsbury originally, and Chris used to compare the gig at the Theatre theater 7 in the Walker uh, Theatre. Kev, Kev Bland. Kev yes, Bland. yeah, yeah, Kev Bland's gig. And he would, it would be him and Ed Gamble that uh, would, would alternate. And there was what, and I started going to this comedy club because I was interested in it. It was the local comedy club, so I wanted to do that. And you had come along one day because the, I think the middle act had had to cancel, and Chris had said, "Oh well, my housemate's a comic, Carl. He can come along and do it as well." So, but you had been in the park and you had horrific sunburn, and it was really bad. And I distinctly remember you just walking on, lifting your shirt up showing how pink your stomach was, turning to the side and showing how white your back was. <laughs> oh, God, bloody hell. That's amazing. I, I remember when that was. Like, yeah, I don't remember doing that at the gig, but I remember getting that sunburn. Um, it was actually, I wasn't in the park. I was just in my back garden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember he was, um, Chris was coming back and he rang us up and um, it must have been like the day before or something like that because... Yeah. Um, I did the same thing in Liverpool. I was doing the slaughterhouse at the time. So uh, it must have been like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday run. So I got sunburned on the Wednesday and then fucking got, got a good two minutes out of it on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. <laughs> but I remember I was out in the back garden just getting sunburned and Chris rang us up and he said, hey, it's a lovely day. It's like a really nice day. He said, do you want to... Um, do you want to like come back? Like go go. Uh, once I get back, we'll get some beers out. We'll just chill in the garden. I was like, mate, I'm already in the garden. Like waiting. Like bring it on. I remember he came came back, and I'd been drying all my clothes on the radiator, <laughs> so I had the fucking heat on. <laughs> he was furious. <laughs> he was like, because he just walked back, being on a proper hot, sweaty train. <laughs> and then I've got the heat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he rang me, ma'am, to, to tell us off. <laughs> oh, that's a low blow, dobbing to your mate's mum. Going to me, mum, she's going like, Carl, you can just dry it outside you now. I was going, I need them like soon. Like, I can't rely on the sun. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> so you were you became because you were so close friends with Chris you became his uh, tour support you were doing his tour support but what was interesting to me is that you so Chris was doing the the large, the, the full theater room but about a month after this is a very wise and smart business thing to do you were coming back a month or so later and doing the same room again but you were essentially using the tour support as your advertisement in a sold-out theatre. Oh, yeah. It was the easiest way to sell tickets ever because it's already a, a, an audience who are up for comedy. They want to see you. They know who you are now, so there's not that much of a of a um, risk to take. The, 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 the venue know who you are. And, like, I think they admired the fact that I was turning up with my own posters and putting them up. And, yeah. you know, you only have to do that once and they remember you. And then, and then you know, they'll, they'll do. So I'm saving a fortune on... Postage and packaging for every um, gig as well. 
and to Chris's credit, he, at no point like um, did he say you're not allowed to do that, or you know, you know, he kind of like because that's the thing. Chris has got no ego. He's so like comfortable in himself and confident in his abilities. He goes, mate, no, fucking go and go and sell tickets. He was going, you might as well. You're here, so just go for it. So, yeah, um, that's kind of just been me working model for the last few years, really, and it's um, it, it it up until. Um, a certain thing happened. It was going all right. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was on my bike the other day and somebody went, oh, you're that comedian, aren't you? And I went, used to be. <laughs> <laughs> but what people need to realise is that even though you started out doing that, you're now selling out the, the main rooms in your own right now. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it just takes time. Everything just takes a bit of time. And um, just, uh, I think it's just, you know, keep get your head down and just crack on and write a new show every year and make sure that the people who are coming back to see you have got something different to see. Um, and yeah, it's very, very um, fortunate really, you know, um, there's some places where it takes a bit longer. I always find Liverpool's a bit hard. Right. Manchester's a bit hard. I usually find like, you know, um, cities where there's quite a lot of comedy clubs to begin with. Yeah. Um, are quite, are quite tough to crack. Um, and Edinburgh and Glasgow, like I have, I've never really like, it's not, again, but you've got to stand there, there's so much on. I think I thrive when there's not a lot of competition. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine, because there's plenty of other places, so I just go, right, fuck it, I'll, I'll go there the night. <laughs> not going to mention anywhere in case I get insulted. <laughs> but I think I first met you properly. We've met a couple of times on the circuit, but I met you properly... Um, during the Edinburgh Festival. I think it was your first festival with the agents, and I came with uh, your tour spot, Ant Young, and me and Anth came and watched your show up in Edinburgh, and um, I, I believe you just kept sweating. There was just so much sweat. You just... <laughs> I mean, every every room in Edinburgh is just manky. Like, I, there's no there's no way to not sweat for me. Like, I'm always... If, like, I remember I was out for, like, the whole day because I was doing, like, six gigs a day. Yeah. So I had six different shirts, and I was like, I think I was the only one at the Edinburgh Festival who was, like, ironing his shirt before a gig. And everyone was like, why didn't you just wear it when you came out? I would go, because I would have looked a fucking clip, mate. Like, I don't... <laughs> I haven't been blessed with these invisible sweat glands. Like, I look... Was that the year where I was... I was at the the under underbelly, and then I was running off to the Pleasance to go and yes. do the Comedy Zone? Jesus yes. Christ. Yeah, that was because that was nine till ten, and then, and then I'm pretty sure the comedy zone was something like quarter past ten till yeah. till like close or something like that. I remember I didn't have long to go from one to the other, um, but I remember coming up as well. I remember remember seeing both the at the back of the back of the Pleasance, I think it was. Yeah, we were. We yeah, <laughs> me and Anth drove up, and we were. <laughs> Because it's a nightmare to try and get accommodation during the festival, even if you're just visiting and stuff. Me and him <laughs> and found this. Steered a caravan or something? No, we camped. So right. he like he found this website called like stayinmybackgarden.com or something like that. And Fucking it was like, hell! So me and Anth Young are sharing a tent and. Nick. Oh Jesus! Oh. So you wouldn't have got any sleep then, because he snores like an absolute twat. Yeah, he? yeah, he does. So I didn't get any sleep. No. <laughs> we nearly, we nearly fell out over that. <laughs> have I told you that? No. <laughs> Norman Pig. <laughs> Bless him. He's so he's he's obviously you know he's he's got little Emma now. I think Emma's three now. I think he's um his daughter, and so he's not. I I could have been a lot nicer. I really could have, but it was like um we're staying over in um in Birmingham. 
Um, and I think I got a good deal with the Malmaison. So we had like what we had like the big big room with two double beds, and there was like um, nice. I was like, all oh, right, this I think I got it for something daft like seventy quid because. Um, I remember it was like I was there previously and something happened. So I had like a, a voucher to use or something. And um, so me and Anthony there. And right, what he did was, <laughs> I'm getting angry just thinking about it. <laughs> uh, he was like, I, I always go to sleep with headphones in. It was back when I was a student. I lived on Jasmine Dean Road. So I just had to put headphones in. And it's just carried through ever since. And um, I remember he's like, Oh, you got headphones in? I was like, I ah. was like, All oh, right, mint. And he just got his phone out and started watching fucking Red Dwarf. Like, on, so so I could hear, and I was like, "What? why are you doing that, mate? He was like, oh, I have to watch Red Dwarf. I have to watch something before I go to sleep. Like, <laughs> bless him, he's done all the driving here, just for context, because I don't want to throw him under the bus, which I am doing. <laughs> I remember fucking, so I can hear the, the canned laughter of Red Dwarf over my podcast. I'm fucking annoyed because I'm not sleeping now. It's like, it's agitating me. And I remember um, he went like, like just, he's on his side watching fucking phone. And I remember he just like, I just started hearing he's snoring. So I had to get up and turn his phone off because <laughs> I knew he was asleep. And, th- and then the snoring commenced. And it was like, it's the, it was the worst snoring I've ever heard. I was throwing pillows at him. And when I ran out of pillows, I was just like, like hitting my own mattress to like wake him up. Yeah. Like just to like, so anytime he was like, <sighs> I just fucking like did something to wake him up. <laughs> I remember the next day, like we, neither one of us had felt like we'd slept. I remember bre- the, the alarm went for, for like to get up and I was like, right, Aunt, do you want to go to breakfast? And he was like, no, I think I'm just going to stay here and try and get some kip. And I went, are you fucking kidding? And he was like, are you fucking kidding? And it, was, it was the only time we've ever fell out. And it was like, we both sat at breakfast, like staring at each other, like not fucking, like, like just eating, not speaking. And I just went, and I went, do both of us think that we're right and the other person's in the wrong? He was like, fucking definitely. I. <laughs> <laughs> so from then on, it's separate rooms all the way. <laughs> I'm not even share a wall. I need to know we've got a corridor in between work because I just go. <laughs> how many how many vouchers did the Malmaison give out about Ant snoring though the next day? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's Premier Inns all the way now. <laughs> <laughs> now, most recently, Carl, you, you've been uh, one of the guest hosts of the One Show, uh, but that's not the, the first bit of telly. You've done, you've done a fair amount beforehand. Tell us a bit about that. Um, I don't really remember that much of the telly that I, I've done. Really, I know I've done the Stand Up Central shows, and um, I've I've done like um, the, the the Chris Ramsey chat show as well. Yeah. Um, no yeah. fucking points for how I got on that one <laughs> um, for for Comedy Central. I just all I remember from Telly Mate is I'm on a diet before I go on because I don't want to look like a big fat twat. Yeah. And then I just get steaming on the train home. <laughs> like that's that's all I do for Telly. Like I remember um. I remember doing the Comedy Central ones. I was, you know, diet, no drink for like a week or a month and all that type of stuff. I remember I'd done, I'd done the set and I was just like, right, and I had, I had like 40 minutes before I was getting picked up for me train. And I remember in the green room, uh, Lee Nelson was on and Ellie Taylor was in the green room and um, someone else now, but no one, no one was drinking because all live there and they're all adults and, you know, they don't fucking <laughs> shit the pants every time they see a drink, like fridge full of drinks. I remember it was just a fridge full of ice cold Peronis. I had six Peronis 
And, I, and then someone come through on a headset and just went, uh, Carl, we've got some pickups for you to do. I was like, are you fucking... I was like, I forgot about pickups. <laughs> That's just where you have to go back on and see a couple of lines that they didn't quite get. So I remember I was first bit of telly and I was like, I've had six BS. Yeah, Carl, you... <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, though, I think it's a capital thing because... Every time I, I used to go down to London every weekend to host Love Sport radio shows and I would get on the train at something like half past four on the Saturday morning to go down to do the show from 10 till three and then I'd skip over and then do the next show and then because it'd be the cheapest way to get the train, I'd then have to get the train at like 9.30 at night. So I'd be stuck in London. So I'd sit there, obviously, go to a pub. That's what I'd do. Just sit there. And then I never used to pay the upgrade. You know how sometimes when you're sat on the train, they go, oh, you can upgrade to first class for a tenner. And you go, I never do that on the way down because I always get a ridiculously early train. So I just sleep anyway. But on the way back... I'd always go, yeah, I'll pay that tenner because you get a free bar. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Remember, um, I remember Matt Reed getting on the train once and I, I got all set up. So I had like eight bottles and a burrito. And then I saw Matt and he, I think he said it was it was one of the like worst train journeys he's had because he was like sat just watching me just fucking inhale food. And <laughs> <laughs> but there's very little to do on the train because the Wi-Fi's are always crap. So you can never watch anything or do anything. Oh, this is not all. Like, yeah, I mean... Tra- train beers are the best beers, really. Yeah, absolutely. I've only I've only got to do that once. I think this year or last year, rather. I um, don't think I've been able to do it at all for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the worst ones were when um, whenever Newcastle were playing in the in the capital, so they're playing Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, West Ham, uh, any any of those guys down there. Full. I know what the capital is. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just I'm just saying the football clubs are around there. QPR. Whenever. <laughs> You missed all the teams, didn't you? I was, yeah. I'm trying to think of other teams that I used to keep an eye on down there. You know, Brentford. um, Yours of this world, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, all right. But whenever Newcastle played any of those teams, there were always dry trains on the way back. So That's an absolute bastard there. Yeah, so you'd sit there and you go, well, this is just my... This is my normal routine. I do this every week. You know, you know, I come back every weekend and I always have a couple of beers on the train. But when they go, yeah, you're not allowed. And there's wardens going up and down the train saying you're not allowed to drink that. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah, I think. All right. Fair enough. If you've got a football shirt on. Right. If you, you know, I, but yeah, I've been caught out twice in 10 years by hooligans. <laughs> I don't mind saying. And I don't care for it. I really don't. Because there's nothing wrong with just sat there quietly enjoying yourself. Maybe Fall asleep. I love falling asleep when it's the last train because they come wake you up as well. Yeah. It's great because they can't they can't put it back in the depot so that you you know you're not going to miss the stop. Unlike when I was in going for a night out in South Shields when I was like 16, 17, I remember getting on the five to eight home and I fell asleep and I woke up back at Shields because he just <laughs> went all the way. <laughs> I was like, oh. But I was at the depot, so I was actually further back from the bus stop that I started at. Who was rank? <laughs> What's next for you, Carl? What's next? So let's say the pandemic ended tomorrow. What? <laughs> What's next? No, no. I'll just say that. Lockdown? Oh, lockdown? <laughs> if the pandemic ended tomorrow, what's uh, what's next for you? What's your plan? Um, I believe, um, well, I've got some stuff in the pipeline, which I don't want to say in case it doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, yeah. That kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm occupied writing at the minute. 
Um, and then I think it's uh, Chris Ramsey's big old tour, and then I'll be doing a big old tour off the back of that. So as soon as things go back to normal, I think I'll be uh, pretty busy for the next next year, year, year and a half, two years, something like that. So yeah, what's next is just get this bloody thing out the way and then and then go for it, you know? I've got one final question for you, my friend. Who of your celebrity showbiz friends would you like to see on this podcast? Celebrity showbiz friends on this podcast? Um, I don't think I've got any celebrity <laughs> showbiz friends. Um, who have I? That's a really tough one. Um, who, would you, who would you like to see on the podcast, Cal? Oh, um, Hulk Hogan? I don't know. Is Hulk Hogan a good one? I don't know. Is that... Is he oh, got... it's your podcast. Yeah, but has he got questionable view? Well, he has a bit, hasn't he? Has he got good dog and parrot-related material? Let <laughs> <laughs> well, me tell you something, long live. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mix it up with the, the, the three-host format, brother. <laughs> Remember to take, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and write your punchlines. Aldo's says, take your, say your prayers. <laughs> Callum Cram says, take your vitamins. And <laughs> um, I don't know who who would be good to have on here that you haven't had. Who would be a good? And I don't know, mate. Um, I don't, it's when people say like, oh, "What's your ideal dinner party?" You know, I like, oh, fucking I don't know. Yeah. I'd like I don't know. I just sit and have me dinner on my lap watching the telly. I already have. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. No. That's, that's really it's really troubled as that question I have. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. No, no, not at all. Not at all, my friend. Carl, thank you so much for coming on to the Cal Albert podcast. Hey, thanks for having us. Cheers. The Cal Halbert Podcast. And there we go. That was my interview with the spectacularly funny Carl Hutchinson. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please, please, please share it with all your friends. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a future episode. If you enjoyed it, please give us five stars. It just really helps other people finding the podcast. But, I mean, you don't you don't have to do it. I mean, I, I want you to because it really helps. But, like, you don't have to. But if you don't do it, I'm not going to be upset, but I will be disappointed in you. The Cal Halbert Podcast. You've been listening to a Calbert Media production.